0: In business and life, relationships are everything. Welcome to the People Catalyst Podcast, where we interview top business leaders and learn how they build relationships with their teams, clients, and those that promote and refer them. Here's your host, business trainer, and leader of the People Catalyst team, Carla Nelson.
1: And welcome to the People Catalyst Podcast, Kristen Chandler. Thanks so much for being
0: on the show today. Thank you so much for having me today is,
1: you know what? I really like your story. I'm super excited for the listeners to hear and also the viewers because you have a really eclectic business background. I mean, you've worked in so many different verticals. Can you share with us just kind of like your entrepreneurial story and where it started? And then we can get a little bit into how, you know, you've kind of had a domino effect in a whole bunch of different industries.
0: Right. So I think it started for me as a kid. My dad, started a trucking business when I was young and they just had one truck and him and my mom would implement those values of me and my sister. We saw growing up like how hard they worked from one truck to 40 over time. And when I was 10 years old, he would bring home work tickets, which were done on a typewriter (laughs) at that time. And we would get paid 10 cents per invoice that we would type out for him. So I honestly think looking back, that's really where it began for me. I I saw it with my parents, from them building something to nothing to something that it just was part of my DNA growing up. I love it. And then you probably were typing those things. Did you actually learn how to type on those old typewriters? Cause I did.
1: And they actually took a long time. We used to even use, uh, when they came out, the word processor seemed like that was a fantastic thing, but, you know, doing grant deeds for the title company on the uh, on the word processor. But did you just, like, go, oh, my gosh, 10 cents, 10 cents, and then, like, figure out how to type, or? I,
0: basically, I mean, he kind of showed me a little bit, but, I mean, we just, it was pretty simple, but... I the same time it was just i was excited to learn learn something new spend time with my parents like i felt like i was a part of something and so i think that that was like the bigger value Mm -hmm. of it for me was like they were always working so hard so that was also a part of i felt like i was putting in something that they were working towards myself so it was exciting
1: That's really cool. And I love that because so many people are driven to entrepreneurship for different things, right? And I love the fact that, you know, culture and being a part of something greater than you and being able to impact something that's already happening and and then help, right? You want to help your parents, especially when they're working that hard. I think it's so funny. All of us go into business and entrepreneurship to gain freedom. Right, and then you right. end up working so hard, so you have to have something that is like driving you to that point. So that's very cool. And then, so you did that. What was your next step? I know you went to Texas Tech, and I just I, I had to bring up my cup here, just you know, just because. Yes. Um, <laughs> but so, did you move kind of from that and helping your parents to then uh, focusing on um, your degree?
0: You know. I went to tech and I was studying business initially. And then I kind of switched to healthcare because that was kind of an interest of mine as well. And then back to, I ended up doing business communications Mm -hmm. and I ended up going to grad school. And during that time at tech, I also went to real estate school and got my license because I was doing virtual tours and different things like that from a real estate perspective. So I had like a little bit of that entrepreneurial bug, even in college to go and get my real estate license to do something for myself. I just didn't know what I was actually going to do. And I ended up going to grad school just because when I was applying for pharmaceutical rep jobs, there was none at that time. That's kind of when the industry had shifted. So I really wasn't getting any bites. So I thought, well, I guess I'll just go to grad school. I got a teaching assistantship position. And so it just made sense. I finished the first year. I bought a house on my own, a small little fixer upper. Oh, and that my was dad my first called. house too. Christmas. Yes. And Christmas. I never, I never got snot. to live in it. <laughs> because really? Three weeks after I bought that house, my dad called and said, Hey, um, we put some oil filled equipment out in this place up by Fort Worth Dallas Fort Worth they're starting to ask if we do safety training I know you're like teaching at tech and I feel like if you can teach at a university you can teach safety meetings to oil field guys so if you want to go start that and see what you can drum up I was kind of like, well, I'm kind of like in the middle of grad school. I just bought a house. Um, Hey, there's an entrepreneurial parent for you. They're like, yeah, drop out of school and come (laughs) down and figure out what you could do down here. Yes, I'm like, where is this at? How far away is it from you guys? Because they were in New Mexico. They weren't even there where that location was. So that's what I did. I was working for a real estate company. So I was able to fix that up enough for them to rent my rental my house out, never lived in it, packed up and moved to Granbury, Texas, no family, no friends, to see what I could get started for my parents' company. And that's really how it began from that perspective. Like we had maybe one customer was it. And I asked my dad, you know, like, what am I gonna do? What do you want me to do? And he said, you know, just wake up every morning at like 5 a.m. Hit the streets, knock on any door that seems like they need safe oil filled safety, and there you go. So I had no <laughs> business cards. <laughs> oh, that's I such a good story. Oh my god, I like dad single. already, and I
1: haven't met him.
0: Yes, I didn't have a single brochure, no catalogs, but here I am selling safety products with nothing that I can show for anything. But that's what I did, and he was like, "You're gonna get like." probably 10 those a day maybe and you may get one yes the whole week but just keep doing it from 5 a.m. till 6 p.m. like what do you got to lose and that's what I did and we built a million dollar plus safety company by me not having a single business card or brochure or catalog just knocking on doors and not stopping.
1: Yeah. And you know, what? it's so interesting today. It's so much easier to connect with people right before we used to actually have to like walk into a space or try to figure out how to get their phone number. And now my goodness, with all the social media platforms, everybody wants to be found now, which is not right how it was back in the day. So then how did you move from that company? Didn't you then pivot in 2008 or 2009 from the oil and gas? And what did you see in What made you um, look out so a problem that needed to be solved? Because if there's one thing about your background and entrepreneur background is that you look for a problem and then you figure out, okay, how do I solve that problem?
0: Right, so still working for my parents' company. I was doing drug testing for their company for like a handful of clients. It wasn't a primary service. I just did it and figured it out because it was a need And I needed to find a solution for our existing safety customers, so
1: I was doing right safety, and then doing the drug testing, like correlating the two, right? Because they're working with heavy machinery, yeah.
0: And we weren't really marketing it; it was just something I was doing for our bigger customers who were who had a need. But in two thousand nine, the gas market shifted. I mean, like overnight, it just dropped, and I remember everyone was like, "Oh my gosh, what are we gonna do?" Well, the oil and gas companies started really hitting hard on their contractors like where's your safety program where's your drug testing program in order to kind of vet them out and cut contractors that way like if their safety program wasn't good or they didn't have a drug and alcohol program then they didn't want them and so then all these customers started coming to us like now we need drug testing now we need a safety program Mm -hmm. And so because of that, the drug testing really picked up, but the safety services were still kind of falling off because people were shutting their doors down. Mm -hmm. So that's when I realized like, this is the thing that seems to be surviving the most. I won't be able to keep this company afloat on drug testing alone because we only had a handful of customers and they were oil and gas and that market was just plummeting. So I've got to figure out, if I'm going to ride this out with this family business, or if I'm gonna talk to my parents and go a different way on my own, like I was just torn. And finally I met with my parents, kind of told them how I was feeling and that I had found a lab testing business that if I spun off and did drug testing by itself, that if I did this lab testing with it, I felt like I could create a niche and survive. And they were like, go for it. I mean, this is your time to shine if you're ready to, I think probably in the back of their minds, they were like, you know, she's she's always wanted to do something. So this is either she's gonna fly or sink. Well, and and honestly in
1: 2009, that just like this last year or 2020, and even moving into 2021, was where can you find the problem in the marketplace and how can you identify it? And so what I love about that is, you know, you're a problem solver. And even in the midst of, you know, one of the worst financial crises we've had, especially oil and gas and real estate and just the financial institutions themselves, you looked around and said, Hey, wait a second, these guys need this and pivoted and did it quickly. And that's how you know, entrepreneurs and businesses survive is, is finding those problems and looking for the problems.
0: Right. And so, and it was a blessing because back in 2009, general lab testing, like walking in from a retail perspective without going to see your doctor first, that was a whole new thing. So those first few years, I really had to work hard partnering with doctors to make them realize like, I'm not competition. I'm I'm an aide to help you with these results and that sort of thing. It was really about education for the first three or so years of that brand because it was such a new take control of your own health kind of concept. And now it's now it's very now it's everywhere, well, especially
1: after 2020, right? I mean, telemedicine is something that they were even, you know, kind of waving the HIPAA laws on. Where back then it was funny because I've always utilized. Um, you know, different platforms since we could to do these types of meetings. And then all of a sudden, everybody shifted. I was like, wait a second, guys, it's been around for 15 years. <laughs> Why haven't you been using it before we have a pandemic? It, you, could, you know, it was there, but then the adoption of it just went Zoom. But way back in the day, it was very uncommon. It was even hard to have people do it, actually. Because remember, you had to download like all the software and do it. There was just a lot more to it now than going to a website and clicking in a meeting ID number.
0: Right. Yep. And that's kind of the battle I was facing, but looking back now to where it is now and seeing how it's evolved so much, it helped my startup brand because employers also started getting more wellness minded as well. And so TV testing and lab testing and COVID testing, like even though they're two different brands, they work together. On and here sizes. we go. You rolling into
1: your next business right? So you saw a cage at the marketplace, saw an area that needed to be filled and then you launched what was it called BU, I think?
0: Yes. And so when I was looking at that brand, I thought, what what can I do to help our lab testing patients that are coming in with like gut health issues and cholesterol issues? They don't need, medical treatment or some severe surgery, they just need lifestyle modifications or a service to do monthly or quarterly to like keep their health up to what it needs to be. And that's when I launched BU and I was going, traveling around to different um, wellness companies, going on retreats, really trying to figure out what I could bring in holistically that I didn't need a doctor at my location all the time, that these were like true lifestyle situations. It wasn't like a med spa, it was a holistic spa type situation. And that's when I launched launched that and we started doing vitamin injections, vitamin IVs, uh, colon hydrotherapies, oxygen bar, foot detox. like I thought of a concept that would fit man or woman's everyday lifestyle needs from health, beauty and wellness. Mm -hmm. because the way I looked at it, like we're always evolving as a person. Some seasons, it's more about wellness. Some seasons, it's more about our health. Some seasons, you just want to look good. So what could I build brand wise that would check all those boxes in everybody's different season of their life? So if they came in with a friend, it wouldn't be, oh, well, I don't do vitamin shots or I don't do IVs. Like we had something for everybody at any season of their lives.
1: Very cool. Well, there you go. How do you make sure you increase your market space, right? It's still under wellness, but what somebody needs so they can like the one-stop shop for wellness. So, and then what the interesting thing is I know then you move to a franchise which actually is very different when you look at the bit and there's a different business for different people, right? Based off of who they are and some people probably never wanna run a business. And you know, we always say you gotta put the right people in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing. Uh, how did you get into then your franchise from that? Because you literally would go in, figure out what needed to be done, build out the team, right? And then you get to more of a franchise, which is more of like a later adopter, just like implementation. So what was the challenge or problem or you know, something market that needed to be filled or solved uh, when you launched a franchise?
0: You know, with any lab, it was still a very new franchise when I came on board. I was an early adopter. They didn't have the technology and training platforms. Like It was almost, in a lot of ways, figuring out how to start my own business because it was such a new brand itself. It. Like, so it,
1: essentially, they didn't get to the point where you had to implement all of these things with the franchise. They were just giving you the branding piece and then going, good luck.
0: Right, and they were working hard to build their corporate team and that sort of thing as well. So now, 10 years later, I've re-signed my FDD, and here we go again. It's a totally different deal. They have call centers. They have all the things that I really could have used (laughs) <laughs> Early on. <laughs> like that could really save me many hours right there. But it was good because I had to figure it out myself. So it really helped me with my other brands having to dive in and figure it out. I didn't have some crutch. I had to figure it out no matter what. And so I can appreciate how the brand has evolved now because we didn't have that before. And it's it's made me stronger even later on to have these resources that they've worked. So it just goes to show like any brand, whether it's a franchise or a startup, like growth happens over time. Nothing, you can snap your fingers and have it fully automated right away. And Mm -hmm. I've seen that with with that franchise. But when I opened Subway, (laughs) that was the real change because that's a global brand, I mean, And then you have to follow all the rules, do all the things exactly to what they state, which is a
1: very late adopter franchise, right? So you early adopting franchising to one, to then Subway being a very, you know, this is what you do. This is the logo you use. This is the mat you use. This is the, how did that change for you? uh, As far as all those businesses you had that were super entrepreneurial and now it's more like you just got to follow the rules.
0: Right. It. I mean, it's been a struggle because I see things that, especially in the market that I'm in, I'm in a small rural market. So the rules that apply to all of us don't always necessarily apply to a smaller market, but it doesn't matter when you're in it with a brand that size. I mean, they have to treat everybody the same. They don't have these caveats. Whereas any lab has micro, micro stores and they're more conscientious about markets under 100,000, they don't expect to have the same type of rules as a Dallas market or whatever. Yeah. And so yeah. it has made me appreciate any lab for for considering that as well. But also I see somebody's point, you want brand uniformity, you want anybody to walk into a subway, whether it's in a rural town or a big city to have the same experience. So it's kind of I know it's like a catch point hands. too, right? So yes. wh-
1: why did you think the your town needed a subway too? Like, because I'm just going off your like MO with all your businesses where you said, hey, there's probably a gap right in the market. And then you wanted to kind of solve that gap. What was it that you saw in your own backyard that you thought, oh my goodness, we we need this here?
0: So this community is all about just the schools. Everybody moves out here for the schools. That way they don't really have to go the private school route if you live inside Midland. If you live out here, it's outside of Midland ISD. So it's kind of like, it feels like a private school, but it, it's not. It's more of a community-based type of deal. So it's just all these houses out here, all these kids going to school, a couple of churches, and that's it. We're about 20 minutes from anywhere to eat. So when we moved out here- Are I you was, serious? <laughs> yes. That's saying I was,
1: something. And I've I been was, to a lot of
0: rural towns and grew up in a rural town, but that's pretty far. Yes. So it was like really frustrating that first week of moving in because I'm like, well, we need something to eat. We need <laughs> to go to the store. There's nothing. There's gas stations that close at nine. We don't have a grocery store. Like you would, we'd have to drive 20 minutes just for a simple anything. Wow. And so I'm like, I can't believe nobody's put anything out here. You know, there's me, the problem solver. Like, this is so annoying. Well, <laughs> instead of sitting there and
1: dealing with you, like, I'll just open a restaurant.
0: <laughs> exactly. So six months later, somebody decided to build its first shopping center out here. And my husband was like, well, I wonder what they're going to put in that. Like you, we should put something in there. And I thought, by we, you mean me? Cause I'm the one <laughs> doing it, all yes. of it.
1: <laughs> That's great. Oh my And he goodness. was
0: like, yeah, like maybe a food or something. And I was like, oh, no. you like, then I can go to my own store and I don't have to drive <laughs> 20 minutes. Exactly. And But I was kind of like, no, I'm not getting into food. No. Then of course that night I start Googling like, what brands would be a good fit for somebody that's like getting into it with no food experience, low investment, a brand well, everybody the, already knows. In the factor of all the schools because Subway is
1: so popular with the school kids that go, I mean, that's when I used to eat Subway all the time was it was right down the way from my high school and I could go in, I could get something. It wasn't terrible for me and you know, it was fast, but it wasn't fast food. So right. You know, it was really popular. I know when I was in high school. So um, makes and not only that, busy moms, right? Right. You know, busy you can moms. live with giving your kid a sandwich. You can live with it, right? It's like it's not terrible. Doesn't have terrible oils and all that other stuff in it. And so that's so interesting. Um, so as we sign off here, I just Kristen have one last question for you: Is that what is the advice that you would give others? about looking for those, you know, gaps in the market and looking for just solving a problem. Because in order to be successful, really, you have to have something to offer somebody that regardless if it's a problem, like for us, it's, you know, moving companies forward in growth and, you know, training their teams to adopt new ideas. And, And that's a big challenge. So how, what are some of the, you know, tips or, you know, how you do that, or how you do your research to find those gaps in the marketplace and really just pay attention so that they can figure out if they're in a current entrepreneurial situation, they can expand or just to get started because so many people, and I see this in corporate America all the time, they want to go and they want to help people, but they don't necessarily have the, or own the skills of just seeing a problem that needs to be solved.
0: Right. I think if you're not an entrepreneur already, you just kind of have to look through yourself and your friends. Like you need to listen to what they're struggling with. If you are around a group of people and they're always like, I wish we had this, or I wish this town had that. Like if there's a resonating wish in a market and it's not being fulfilled or it could be being fulfilled better, like, that's your opportunity and you have some, what a vested interest or see a vision in it, there you go. Like it's a, it's a sign to me that you, somebody needs to do something. Mm-hmm. And if you're an existing entrepreneur, you have to listen to your customers. They will tell you what they wish you had more of. And it's not always realistic. I mean, I have people that are like, oh, I wish you guys did Botox and you know, all this other stuff that's really not our brand. We can refer you and be that helpful source, but we have built our brand based mostly on what our customers have said they wanted. And so I think you just have to listen to that and the market and that'll be your direction. And it's like, it gives you that security because you're not just like jumping off and with some crazy idea, like, you know, there's an interest because you're hearing it. And-
1: I love that too, because that's kind of a two pronged approach of saying, I hear you as a client, being able to respond back to it, solve the problem through a referral, but then also understanding your brand too is critical. And then also attracting you know new customers through your current customers, just by using one simple word, listen and ask. So many times I think business owners and entrepreneurs fall in love with their product or their service so much that they think that they know all the answers. And really, the best way to do it, and honestly, the political aspect does this the best. Always have an open-ended question. Like if you ask, you know, you wish you had, and then there was four things. Say, and then do other. And sometimes, so many people write in the same exact thing that then you can go, oh wow, this is what our co- constituents really want. So. I love that. I love your story. I love your grit, girl. It's really fun to hear it. And uh, I know that you also do some consulting. So, how can our viewers and our listeners uh, get a hold of you?
0: You can get a hold of me. I have Instagram. It's it's Kristen Chandler. Um, I'm on Facebook. It's Biz Snob, and I'm on Clubhouse <laughs> as well. Um, Awesome. Well, that's where we
1: met on Clubhouse, so which is a very entrepreneurial platform. I met so many wonderful and incredible people like you. We will make sure that we include that in the show notes, Kristen. So thank you so much for sharing your story, sharing your insights and being here with us today on
0: the People Catalyst podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great time. Thank you for listening to the People Catalyst podcast. And remember, it's a good
1: life.